Although the playoffs are underway right now, the season is over for several teams in the NFL. But with their seasons being over, a lot of teams were quick to jump the gun when it came to firing their head coaches. We are seeing a coaching carousel more than you will see at a carnival ride. And it is crazy what is happening right now in the NFL. We have all heard of the butterfly effect, but we are now seeing the domino effect. I'm your host, Matthew Raritan, and this is Total Sports Talk Beyond the Lights. What is going on, everyone? Like I mentioned before, there are coaching vacancies everywhere right now in the NFL. It is like a Motel 6. And we are going to talk about these head coaching vacancies today. But first, I want to introduce my co-hosts. First, we have David Street. What's up, everybody? And secondly, we have Ed Smith. Welcome, y'all. Guys, like I was talking about here, uh, these head coaching vacancies in the NFL, it, it's almost like it's kind of taken us by storm. It is like a plague happening right before our eyes where there's just no consistency with head coaches. We have a plethora of openings in the NFL that anyone would just give to be a head coach for because when you make it to the NFL, you've made it to the very bigs and it is time for you to show what you can do. Well, there are some guys that could not do that. They could not hack it. They couldn't handle it, whether it be that they just couldn't handle the NFL itself and they're back in college football, <coughs> Matt Rule, or they just can't just hack it as a head coach in general. So uh, there are several openings, but we want to do a segment today of good job or bad job. And when I say that, it's not like good cop, bad cop. It's with these openings, we are going to make a case of is this team a good job to take as a head coach or would it be a bad job to take? You know, we've had interviews before where we've sat down and things just sound really good and you have a great feeling like, well, I think this would be a great job. I think I'd be a great asset and I think that we would work great. And then you sit through sums and you're like, this is a complete joke. You guys don't even know what you're doing as an organization. Of course, these are things that you say in your head. You're not going to tell them that, but uh, it's pretty obvious that you would not be a good fit there. So we are going to break that down in teams and if it's a good job or a bad job. So I'm going to go ahead and start here first with the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to list out some pros and I'm going to list out some cons. And well, the pros are not really going to outweigh the cons. I'm just going to give you a little hint right now. But I think the first pro here is pretty obvious, and that is Bryce Young going into his second year here. And with his first year, he saw a head coach in Frank Wright get fired, but he also saw his GM and Scott Fitterer get fired. So that's not really good to see. In her first year there, especially as a rookie, but things can only go up from there, right? So Bryce Young has shown in college that he could be a fantastic quarterback, especially at his size. I mean, although he was wearing cleats when he got measured at the combine, we know he is not a big guy at all. He is very small, soaking wet. There's no way he weighs more than 200 pounds, but he has talent. He is very talented, and he's shown some flashes of that this year, but unfortunately this Panthers team can only win two games. And going into this next year, they have roughly maybe in the ballpark of around $40 million in cap space, give or take. Um, you know, that that's not an exact number because that is subject to change, especially with restructures and contracts or if you cut players. But that is a good number to have right there. At least you're, you know, in the positive. But they are going to have to rely heavily on this free agency because if you don't remember, guys, they traded away their first-round pick in this next year draft. The, Buff, uh, the, the Chicago Bears 
now have the number one overall pick because, well, the Carolina Panthers traded that last year to get Bryce Young. So they don't even have a first-round draft pick this year. And I think that kind of goes into the con section because not having a first-round draft pick, especially in this loaded draft class, granted, you know, they think they got their guy at quarterback, so they'd be able to bypass all those quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round. But there's a lot of receivers that are going to be going in this first round that they sure would love to have. Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze. We already know Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a top probably three pick. Um, they don't get to have that. So this free agency class for them is where it's really going to be at, and they're going to need to be throw some money around. We saw that they were able to do that last year when they signed Von Bell, Hayden Hurst. They brought in Miles Sanders from Philadelphia. So they are showing that they are uh, dedicated to making these moves, especially when they traded to get the number one overall draft pick where they got Bryce Young. So they show that they want to be able to do this, but I think they need to find the right head coach. Frank Reich was not that guy. So where do they need to improve? Well, in a lot of areas, this offensive line, it's horrible. You cannot let your number one overall draft pick run around, you know, out there. He's in the NFL. He is not a big guy. He's going to get hurt before you know it. We saw what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. His ACL, he tore his ACL, came back. Guess what? He still got sacked. You need to protect your investment. And when you have the number one overall draft pick like that, well, that's your investment that you need to protect. So offensive line is going to need a revamp there. And defense, they're also going to need to really bring in some key pieces too. We saw what Brian Burns can do. Von Bell is a, a very good safety. But there's they have a lot of baggage or they're going to have a lot of holes that need to be filled. So is this a good job or a bad job to take? I think it's up in the air because when you don't have a first-round draft pick like they do this year, but you have a decent amount of money to spend in free agency, that could outweigh itself. Um, but I think it's going to rely on the head coach that gets brought in there. A name that has stood out to me since the middle of the year, because I knew Frank Wright was going to get fired, but the name that stood out to me was Eric Bieniemy. It did this whole time. I was really shocked when he took another offensive coordinator position instead of a head coaching job in the NFL. Everyone knew that he was most likely going to be uh, the successor of Andy Reid when he retired in Kansas City. It was almost a given, but he decided to leave and go get an offensive coordinator position over in Washington. And although Washington, which we're going to talk about here shortly, is can be very desirable. We're going to talk about that. I think Eric Bieniemy with Bryce Young in Carolina would be a perfect match. Eric Bieniemy, as we know, was with Patrick Mahomes, who is now probably one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL as we speak. He was able to be around that. I think that would benefit Bryce Young a lot. So Eric Bieniemy is a name that has stood out to me. I would like to see if his name is in the conversation in this Carolina Panthers job. So is it a good job or is it a bad job to take? I think that's up in the air. I will leave that for your guys' interpretation. But as I just mentioned, I mentioned the Washington football team, the Washington Redskins, the Washington Commanders, whatever you want to call them. They now have a open head coaching job. And Ed is going to talk to us about that. It's kind of ironic that uh, you say that we're talking about uh, you're handing me the Washington Commanders as the number two pick because they have the number two pick uh, going into this upcoming season. And, you know, that's one of the pros of looking at building a foundation for this team. The biggest key to their foundation right now is going to be in the front office because they recently had a ownership change, getting rid of Dan, oh my God, Snyder, you know, (laughs) getting him out the way, you know, so this new ownership group, uh, which is, uh, I want to say with 14 different 
uh, members of this ownership group, including Magic Johnson, who's apparently has his uh, mitts and everything nowadays. Uh, yeah, what, what team does Magic Johnson not own, own at this point? <laughs> I, I think he owns a lemonade stand down the street from my house. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, but they just picked up Adam Peters for the general manager position from the San Francisco 49ers, who was their VP of player personnel. He's been there. He had been at uh, San Francisco for seven seasons, and he's somebody that has grown from being a scout with New England and Denver into this role here over the course of the past, I want to say it was 12 years I saw. So, and he is beloved. This is a home run hire for this franchise. And when you talk about a ownership that is willing to spend money to bring it to prominence, they go out and get a GM that knows how to build rosters and scout players and do everything that's necessary you know, you throw that with getting the number two pick. You throw that in with this team has the absolute most amount of cap space going into next season. Right now, it's looking like it's going to be around double what uh, Matt was just talking about with Carolina. So they have a open, you know, blank check to turn this franchise around. And it's going to be necessary. Uh because when you look at the things that have held this franchise back, one is already gone. We already talked about Dan Snyder. He's out. Done. <laughs> Done. They tried to make Sam Howell be a thing. It's like trying to make Fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Sam Howell, you know, he did decently at, you know, 3,900 yards for this season, but it was a 4-13 and record. Why do you think they have the number two pick? I mean, it's just not something that he was able to sustain. And in looking at it, they were 1-10 and 10 in their last 11 games. That's, that's Dan Orlovsky level with the you know type play uh, when you're talking about that. But the other part that they really have to work on as a franchise is their facilities. When they start ranking facilities between the different 32 NFL teams, the the commanders, I almost said Redskins, the commanders are dead last between travel, their locker rooms, their treatment of their families, the nutrition, their weight room, all these factors involved. It is the worst facilities in the NFL. And when you, you know, when you take those two in account, those are tough things to get free agents to come play with you. But when you see this new ownership group, you know, really gut the uh, facilities and upgrade in the quarterback, which they should do in the draft. And with that open checkbook, this is going to be a good job. You just got to land the right guy to get the wheels turning. And, you know, there's, Several guys out there. I'm surprised I'm not seeing more uh, traction from these high-profile names that are out there, like a Pete Carroll or you know even Belichick, uh, because he started with the new ownership group when he went to New England, and that turned out pretty well for him. So why not give give him an opportunity in the nation's capital? You know, he went from being a Patriot to a commander. You know, that would be just just come up peaches, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, David, are you seeing the kind of the same things of what I'm looking at on that? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to add to your point about Washington just having crappy facilities, crappy stadium and, and all that, do, do you guys remember, um, I think it was uh, last year, where Jalen Hurts almost got crushed by, by, by the rails at the stadium yeah remember, remember that and yeah. also like isn't uh isn't washington's uh surface like responsible for two maybe three devastating quarterback injuries alex smith i believe uh who was the other one joe theisman i think <laughs> yeah probably the most that was an old jfk yeah but the point being is that stadiums in washington dc 
Maryland, actually. But yes, stadiums in Washington, D.C. don't seem to turn out well for uh, for uh, quarterbacks there. There's a name that uh, it really strikes me as odd but interesting. And I, I heard this uh, last week, and um, I have to look up more on it, but I want to say Bob Myers from the Golden State Warriors, you heard that correctly, the NBA Golden State Warriors is also going to be a part of this franchise. So you talk about coming from the Niners, now we have a guy coming from the Warriors, and we know what he did as far as building a team. So do they have some type of recipe for success there? I'll be interested to see because, well, coming from the NBA to there, but look at Magic Johnson. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't even own an NBA team, and we know what he's famous for. He, but he has a stake in the Dodgers and now a stake in a football team. So I, that's a name that I want to really look out and for and see because that is kind of interesting to change sports like that. But yeah, he may have success. Yeah, let me just let me just uh, add one more point. Um, I think you make an inter- interesting point about Belichick, Ed, but I just don't think it's going to work out at all. Because, like I said before, um, I think Belichick was in a position where the not just the quarterback, which was what I talked about last time, but the front office that that he that he worked with. Um, I just don't think he would uh, mesh well with any other front office, any other quarterback. I think that was the perfect situation for him. Now, I, c- I could be wrong, and maybe things do work out um, in uh, in uh, Maryland, since you know they do play in Maryland. <laughs> Assuming he takes the job, maybe things do work out. But I just think I just think the situation Belichick was in was just the kind of situation where it where it worked out great at that time, but he's not going to work well with anybody else, in my opinion. I'm just not seeing a lot of smoke out there for uh, people jumping at the commanders, and I'm really trying to figure out why. There's a there's a lot uh, going in a new, you know, for going into a new direction mm-hmm. with uh, somebody that you know either you start off a new coach, but in my opinion, if you're going to have a complete changeover in the executive level, get mm-hmm. a stabilizing head coach to you know execute the vision of what the new uh, head guys are in the midst of doing. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. No, I, I definitely agree because uh, it definitely seems like a uh, position that should be uh, pretty heavily looked at. And I know Belichick uh, has mentioned the two teams that he was looking to maybe go to. And that is one of them, Washington and the other being Atlanta. So that, we'll see because Belichick is a high profile name. But speaking of high profile names, there's a guy out there that I think may be going to this next team and won't mention his name because I'm going to let David do that. David, Chargers. Talk well, about. listen, guys, the Chargers did not have a great season, and things have not been the same for them ever since that historic collapse in the playoffs against the Jaguars, okay? But don't be fooled by by the record, okay? This is still arguably top five, top ten talented team in the uh, NFL, okay? Talent with the Chargers has never been an issue. The issue has always been coaching, okay? And you want to talk about talent? I mean, Justin Herbert, like what coach would not want to work with uh, Justin Herbert? The Chargers have had their issues, but Justin Herbert is the least of those issues, okay? They got, they got, got, they have guys there, but here's one major issue that the Chargers face, okay? They're around $40 million over the cap space, okay? So, they're going to have to make some sacrifices. They're going to have to restructure some contracts, and they're probably going to have to make some cuts as well. You know, um, you okay, Ed? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Oh, you're 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 unmuted, by the way. So once it's time for you to talk, just uh, want to make sure that you're uh, unmuted. Um, actually, I I, I realize now why why you are muted, but uh, anyway, um, but yeah, they're probably going to have to uh, make some cuts. Uh, Mike Williams, I imagine, is probably going to get cut, and you know. Joey Bosa is probably going to get cut as well. You know, Joey Bosa has really had a uh, drop in production lately. Now, in fairness, a large part of that has to do with his injuries, which you can't you can't really con- uh, control that. But at the end of the day, the NFL is still a business, and whether it's Bosa's fault fault or not, he is starting to become a hindrance 
um, in in that in that locker room, and the Chargers need to, uh, you know, think about the uh, the future. And speaking of future, the, the great thing about about the Chargers is that they do have a top ten draft pick. So in addition to already having a talented uh, roster, um, with the season they had, the silver lining out of it is that they can pick uh, t- top ten. So um, and you know you kind of implied it before, Matthew, but this just screams a job for Jim Harbaugh to take, right? I mean, listen, he already led the Wolverines to a national championship. He pretty, he already accomplished what he wanted to accomplish at Michigan and he has nothing to, uh, he has nothing to prove there. And we know that he's done well in the, in the NFL. Okay. Um, like with, with the 49ers, he, he took Colin freaking Kaepernick all to the Super Bowl, like for crying out loud and Kaepernick sucks. Okay. Um, and this is also the same guy that resurrected, uh, Alex Smith's uh, career. But I am wondering, though, because beyond needing a head coach, the Chargers also need a general manager, okay? And I don't know about you guys, but if I'm a head coach, I'm not going to take a – I'm not going to take a position at a place that doesn't have a general manager yet, okay? Because how do I know that the general manager you're going to hire – well, how do I know we're going to work together? Okay, I don't want to go somewhere where the general manager you hire eventually we just we just clash and we just don't see see eye to eye. Um, I don't know. Maybe for Harbaugh it it, it doesn't matter. Um, but if I were him, I would not take the job yet um, until the Chargers hire a uh, you know hire a, a general manager. But you know we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, what do you what do you think, Ed? Well, I'm. I think that uh, the Chargers ownership group uh, would certainly love to get a, a coach that can serve as the general manager because he's a penny pincher when it comes to anything not named Khalil Mack or or yeah. Justin Herbert. You know, in anybody that's not on the field, he is. You know, let's see who we can get to maybe be the next big thing. So we don't have to pay him as much to become the next big thing. Yeah, that's you know, a good, that's a good and, point. And that is, you know, indicative of the reason why they wound up in LA in the first place. So yeah. that that across the board just screams Harbaugh taking a GM role along with the coaching role if uh, they offer it to him, because that is a cost savings at the executive level. Uh, for the Chargers as a whole. Well, and, it, and I'm actually glad you mentioned L.A. because I totally forgot to mention that another issue that the Chargers face is, guys, do actual real Chargers fans even exist? I mean... <laughs> hey, hey, hey. My mother is a Chargers fan. Unless, okay. it's, unless it's the fourth quarter, then she can't win. <laughs> okay, <laughs> aside, aside, from, aside from Mama Matthew, do real Chargers fans actually actually exist? I'm starting to think that the LA Galaxy and the LAFC have a higher standing in LA than what the Chargers do. Yeah, I don't know if if you remember this, but it, I think it was last year or the year before the Steelers actually came into LA to play mm-hmm. the Chargers. And I know Steelers fans tra- travel; they do. Um, but it was probably eighty twenty, eighty percent Steeler fans there, twenty percent Charger fans there. It, that's just how it is. Well, in, in, in fairness, island count at home. Yeah. Well, in fairness, guys, yes, it is a problem with the Chargers, but I don't think it's just a Chargers thing. I mean, Los Angeles is not exactly like I know it's the second biggest and biggest city in the United States, but it's not exactly known for its like diehard fans or, or uh, anything like that. And and if I r- recall correctly, even the season the Rams won the won the Super Bowl and they obviously shared the exact same uh, stadium as 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 the Chargers. I don't think the Rams had great attendance attendance numbers uh, that year either. So it's not just a Chargers thing. I think it's just an LA thing in general. LA is owned by the Dodgers and the Lakers. Yep, it's the Lake yep, show down there. So yeah, but uh, out of a lot of the vacancies, I mean that Chargers. Uh, team I mean they're pretty much one of the only teams that they've got their guy at quarterback and I know I talk about the Panther Panthers with Bryce Young and and I, I do believe that th- that he could be their guy too but 
they know that Justin Herbert's their guy, so they're not going to be looking for a quarterback in the draft. But uh, you make a great point, Ed, with uh, Jim Harbaugh possibly taking that GM role. But we know where he goes. He'll probably be the highest paid head coach in the NFL. And can the Chargers afford that? I'm sure they'll find a way to, to work it out, and Jim Harbaugh will uh, look at the finances with his glasses on, and he'll figure it out too. But uh, I, it just seems like a match made in heaven there, and I would really like to see that happen because, uh, well, I'm a Duck fan, so Justin Herbert, and with, like I said, my mom being a Chargers fan, I think it, it would be nice to see that as well. And then one last point I'll add is that, you know, let's not let's not ignore the fact that, like Jim Harbaugh is more accustomed to working with quarterbacks who aren't necessarily bad, but let's be honest, is, is JJ McCarthy going to be the topic? Obviously not. Is he, is he even going to be a first round pick? I don't know, but it's not, not a guarantee. Like this would be, this would be a, this would be a situation that would be uh, unique for Harbaugh because he would actually be finally be working with an elite quarterback, which is usually not the, the kind of quarterback that, that he works with. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be different for a change. And uh, well, I mean, Harbaugh's at this point in his career where he's not wanting to develop a quarterback immediately. So by having someone that's already developed a little bit is better than nothing. So, but I think that it, Herbert and Harbaugh could use each other, but. I think it's safe to say that that was that would be a good job to take, especially with Herbert and where he's at in his career. But this team, I'm going to just start right off the bat. This is not going to be a good job to take, uh, and that is the Tennessee Titans. I think that oh, yeah. right now they're they've got the most question marks out of any team out there, and it's mainly because well, Mike Vrabel's gone, and who's going to be their quarterback? And Derrick Henry's gone, and he's gone for good. There, I, there's no chance that Derrick Henry is coming back to the Music City. Uh, he's gone. He's going to go test free agency, um, go check out somewhere else. But that just leaves so much question marks because you just lost your guy. And when I say your guy, I'm talking about Derrick Henry. Uh, he was the only way that this team was relevant right now. And Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel uh, is is a player's coach. I mean, this is a guy who's out there doing push-ups with his team before uh, the games. Um, he is a Bill Belichick product as well. I want to put that out there. I will never forget the moment where he did his Bill Belichick Jedi mind trick against who? Bill Belichick himself. And when you can outdo the master, well, that just shows you where you're at in your career. So Mike Vrabel will land on his feet somewhere. My guess is we'll talk about them here later on. But um, this is just like a lot of question marks with this team. Will Levis, is he going to be your guy at quarterback? You did do your little experiment this year. Was it long enough? No. Uh, this You want to give someone a little bit more time. But I think we've seen as fans of football, Will Levis is not going to be that guy. Um, so it kind of makes you wonder – well, what are they going to do in the draft? Currently, they sit at number seven, and every team ahead of them, except for the Chargers, are looking for quarterbacks. So that does not fare well for the Tennessee Titans. So you're kind of almost forced to, well, we're going to go with the Will Levis experiment again this year, just like who? My Pittsburgh Steelers with Kenny Pickett. It's kind of like you have to go with it. You did draft him, you know, uh, whereas Kenny Pickett was drafted in the first round. We know what happened with Will Levis. If he, only he didn't make those mayonnaise in his coffee comments. He might have been drafted in the first round, but he didn't. So that also comes to my next point where they've got s roughly around $70 million. I mean, they're up there. Um, with the Washington Commanders and their cap space. They've got a lot of money to spend, but where exactly are go they going to spend it at? Because they need help everywhere. They need offensive line help. They now need a new running back. They need receivers. You can't count on DeAndre Hopkins to catch every pass you throw out there. They need a defense, um, even though I will say this. They had the number one red zone defense in all of NFL last year. For some reason, when it came to them being in the red zone, they just knew how to play defense. So I will give them that, but um, they just aren't an elite defense, though. So they are going to need help on that defensive side. Um, but 
it's just you're gonna you're gonna be stuck in a rebuild. You are from top to bottom with a new head coach, uh, quarterback. You're just gonna have to ride the experiment with Will Levis. But you're gonna need a new running back, new receivers, new linemen. So where is this seventy million gonna be spent in cap space? Well, it's gonna be spent on that. But draft wise, um, number seven is is like I said is awkward because every team before you is probably going to draft a quarterback because they all need him. But that could sit for you to get a guy like Joe Alt out of Notre Dame, who's going to be a highly rated offensive lineman. But I think the chargers ahead of them are probably going to get him because they need offensive line help. But it's just, you have holes to fill with Derrick Henry being gone. And it's going to be hard to fill that because Derrick Henry has kind of been one of the top running backs in the NFL over the last several years. But when you can feed a guy a ball that many times a game, he's guaranteed to pay off. And well, he was a workhorse and he had to be because that's how atrocious that offense was, whether it was with Tannehill or Will Levis. So um, it's not a good job. I said that at the beginning and I stand by it. And I think the three of us will probably agree to that. It is not a good job to take. And uh, I don't really, I haven't heard any rumors of really anyone jumping to go to Tennessee because of all those things. So, I mean, uh, David, uh, you feel similar with that? Oh, dude, a- absolutely. You know, no, va- no Vrabel, uh, no, uh, no Derrick Henry. Who the hell is your, is your uh, quarterback going to be? I mean, like, this is the, remember, this is the same Titans team that ran the AFC South for, for a little bit. But as I mentioned in our last episode, uh, that was never going to be a long-term thing, um, especially with the, with the, with the quarterback situation. But here's something else inter- interesting too, that I uh, recently learned. Uh, this is going to be a random question, Matthew, but it ties into what we're talking about. Do you, do, does the name John Lediard ring a bell to you? John Lediard, John Lediard. So L E D Y A R D. I don't believe so. Okay, I was asking because like because he covers both the Bucks and uh, the Steelers. The Steelers is is his uh is his main main team. Um, he is a Steelers fan, so that's why I was asking yeah. you that being that you're the Steelers fan. Um, but but like he has a lot of uh good uh good insight, a lot of uh good sources, and uh, what's really interesting is that the situation that the Titans are in right now. Again, from what I've read, from my understanding from, from Lediard, is actually partially um, Mike Vrabel's uh, fault. It's not that Vrabel is a bad coach. Like We know that he's one of the best coaches in the, in the NFL. But a huge reason why the Titans fell apart was because Vrabel and uh, the ownership team, the front office, did not see eye-to-eye whatsoever. Whereas Vrabel wanted to win right away with the players that they already had. The front office wanted to trade some of the trade some of their players and like, you know, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, go into a rebuilding mode and like really uh, secure, uh, secure the future uh, for themselves. Um, and because they didn't see uh, eye to eye, that led to a, a disaster show for, for Tennessee. Yeah, I talked about yesterday when you were asking about Mike Tomlin and being the head coach is always tough because you're the guy that gets the blame. And imagine being a head coach and you're pretty much being told by the ownership, we're not telling you to tank, but we're telling you to tank. As a head coach, you have standards and you have pride because when that team starts losing, it is you that gets the blame, not the ownership. Can you? Na- we could probably sit here and name every head coach in the NFL, but naming every owner would be probably tough. So the head coaches will always, uh, you know, get the blame because their names are out there more than the ownership is. So to tell a head coach that, or uh, to have, there's a reason that you're going to have different mindsets because a head coach always wants to win. They never want to lose. So if you're pretty much being told to kind of lose uh, and we're going to rebuild, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. And, you know, I do partially t- take back what I said when I said it was partially uh, my- Mike Frable's fault. That- that's probably not like that's probably not fair to him. But I think you can see, obviously, the point is, is that when the head coach and the front office are not seeing eye to eye, that is just a recipe for a complete and total disaster. And, and this this job to me is just screaming coordinator, you know, pulling some coordinator, you know, out of, out of somewhere. Yeah. And 
you know, making them a head coach, whether they're ready or not, just so they could have the control of the coordinator or head coach in this case uh, to do the bidding of what the ownership group says. Exactly. Some young guy that wants to make a name that uh, is, I'm, I'm tired of being a coordinator. I'd really like to be a head coach, but the ownership is like, all right, we'll, we'll give you that promotion, but you're going to do everything we say. Kellen Moore. <laughs> Listen, more. All, all, all. I will add one last thing. I'll add is uh, my condolences to you, EJ. You get, you guys know whom, whom, whom I'm talking about. Yes, yes, yeah. we do. So, yeah, it, it, we all agree that this is going to be a job that um, is not a good job. But this next team, though, uh, David, uh, we've we've already talked mentioned their name actually here, and I think that we've kind of had a change of uh, you know our our tone when it came to this team. Uh, of it possibly being a good job, but I'll let you talk us through with uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, you know, um, to be honest with you guys, I don't think Atlanta's roster is as is as bad as people like you know uh, make it out to be. I mean, they've got they've got playmakers. Um, they got they got Kyle Pitts. They got Bijan uh, Robinson. I know Pitts has been labeled as a bust already because he has a head coach who doesn't know what the f he's doing. You know. Um, Yes. <laughs> um, but also, um, I think Atlanta has a really underrated defense. The secondary especially. Like, the secondary was qu- – qu- I don't know if quietly is the right word, but they were one of the best secondaries in the NFL, uh, headlined, of course, by none other than uh, uh, Jesse Bates. Uh, the front seven, I think, could probably – it definitely doesn't need to use some work because Atlanta's a uh, – Rush defense uh, wasn't exactly the best. Uh, it was bottom ten or 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 a near near bottom ten. Uh, so that's going to be something that that they uh, that they need to uh, fix. Um, but then also beyond that is Desmond Ritter. I've heard some people call him Desmond Mitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I think is really interesting about the Desmond Ritter situation. And we were talking about this before, Matthew. Obviously, the Chargers are the heavy favorite to. Uh, land Jim Harbaugh but surprisingly the Falcons have risen up you know rise up like as as I say um they've they've risen up to uh you know um possibly take uh Jim Harbaugh and I have to say that if the Falcons land Jim Harbaugh then I think I think things could work out with Desmond Ritter because Jim Harbaugh has proven that he can turn quarterbacks around. Okay. He did so with Alex Smith. And as I said before, he led Colin freaking Kaepernick to the Super Bowl. Okay. Like that's how, that's how good with quarterbacks he is. But obviously if they don't get uh, Jim Harbaugh, um, then more than likely uh, it's not going to work out with, uh, it's not going to work out with uh, Ritter um, at all. Um but also, I think the other thing too with with the Falcons is that you know their their facilities are like what an hour an hour away from from the stadium or or whatnot, which is absolutely insane. I don't I don't know if I don't know if that, if that's atop the NFL for like you know the longest distance between facilities and the actual stadium. But I imagine that it's got to be uh you know pr- uh, pr- pretty high up there. Um, so when I'm looking at the Falcons' job. I'm looking at it as it has it has p- potential to be a good job depending on who they get because like I said the Falcons do have playmakers um, they have a they have a really good de- uh, good defense um, but obviously they have issues at at, at, at quarterback and uh, yeah we'll see what happens um, I can't outright say it's a good job I can't say it's a bad job either but I think it does have potential to be a good job what do you what do you think Ed? I think it has potential. They do need to address, you know, certain parts of the of the roster, but you could easily do that, you know, over the first, you know, season or so of your tenure, you know, being in Atlanta. Uh, the fact that they do have some cap space to work with, they can plug in, you know, some maybe top end talent on the O line. Uh, on the D line, you know those those hole filling things, but they will have enough to go out and get somebody if they absolutely feel like they are going to be a true difference maker. Because mm-hmm. keep in mind, uh, 
I forget the uh, defensive end's name, but he's retiring after 16 seasons. You know, he's had enough of the NFL life. You know, yeah. so that's that's definitely somebody that you need uh, in today's NFL is a, a proven edge rusher. They've got to go out and get him. You know, yeah. but who is it? That's the that's the real question in that scenario. When it comes to, you know, Harbaugh working with a quarterback, yes, he can kind of mitigate the averageness of whatever quarterback he has by using the weapons that are already there in Kyle Pitts and Bajon Robinson. It was well documented how Arthur Smith refused to let uh, either one of those guys really cook because that's not what they're expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let <laughs> me just say like insane to me on that. Yeah. I mean, and to all the, and like to all the Georgia fans who are like declaring Kyle Pitts a bust, you guys are morons. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. And then the other thing too, that I want to add as well is um, I think what helps the Falcons is the division they're in. Guys, let, let's not forget that the Falcons were technically one game away from winning the division. I, I say technically because because my Bucks would have had to uh, lost to uh, the, the the Panthers in order for it to happen. Okay, but they're in they're in the easiest division. Okay, and listen, like you know, the Saints aren't going to go anywhere with with uh, Dennis Allen. Um, I know they just fired Pete Carmichael, so we'll see what happens there. But they're not going anywhere with Dennis Allen. The Panthers are especially not going anywhere. And and the Bucks, like, we're not ever going to be a dominant regular season team uh, under Todd Bowles. That's that's no diss to Todd Bowles. That's just how it is. I don't. We're never going to be a great regular season team uh, under, uh, under uh, Todd Bowles. So the Falcons are in a... We know they're in the easiest division. Like they're in, they're in the division that if they just make a few right moves, like the division could be theirs for for the taking. Um, so I feel like the Falcons have a cl- pretty clear path forward. I mean, they have the tools there. Like they, it is right there and in front of them. But it's just a matter of if they can take advantage of take advantage of it or, or not. Yeah, and really quick, I'll just say this about the Falcons is. Um, you know, they're kind of in the middle of the pack because they were fighting for a playoff spot uh, in the last week of the season. So as far as draft order goes, they are kind of in the middle there. But uh, and you guys will know the name because I'm having a brain fart right now. But uh, a defensive lineman out of Penn State. Um, gosh, he, he's got an interesting name. I can't. Top Robinson. Yes. I mean, that, that kind of could be a guy that you're explaining right there, Ed. And I mean, Jim Harwell knows him pretty well. I mean, he's coached mm-hmm. against him. Um, mm-hmm. and, if, and if Harwell were to go there, and that's the last point I want to make is I, there must be something that we just don't know. There's a reason we're not head coaches uh, or in the NFL. But uh, the fact that Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick have both kind of express their interest in this position kind of tells you there is something about this Atlanta Falcons team that they see. And so do the Vegas odds makers, because overnight Atlanta jumped all the way up to number two in is in the favorites just behind the chargers uh, to get Jim Harbaugh. I mean, they made a big jump overnight to plus five fifty in the odds. So there's something about this Atlanta team that uh, is enticing to these coaches. Well, let me just let me just say that if I'm if I'm the Falcons and I'm choosing between Jim Harbaugh and Belichick, I'm taking Harbaugh easily because Harbaugh has proven that he can work effectively with multiple with with more than one quarterback, and Belichick, frankly, well, has not. Yeah, we saw it. We've seen those results. But I want to take this from the Atlantic coast to all the way up to the Pacific Northwest as we talk about Seattle Seahawks, who has also lost one of their premier head coaches of all time. Yeah, I this was maybe the most surprising fire uh, that happened the day after the season. I mean, because Seattle let go of Pete Carroll day after the season, after 14 seasons, 227, 137, and one. He is the winningest coach in that franchise's history, which got started in 1976. This, that is, you know, no small feat to be the top head coach in any franchise, especially for somebody that had been in the NFL, had gone back to college and dominated in college, and then went back to the NFL. You know, that that takes a special kind of guy, and that's who Pete Carroll was. But in 
But in replacing him, you know, they first off, they wanted to bring him in as an executive, you know, but just not uh, on the sidelines. And he's like, no, I'm good uh, because I want to coach. I have more in the tank. He's the same age as Bill Belichick, but these are two completely different guys. You know, you've got the mumbler at Bill Belichick and Captain Chewing Gum uh, for Pete Carroll. I mean, you know, chew twice if you're in danger. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, things that are really looking like attractive things for uh, the next coach for Seattle. Number one, I would say it's the roster. Hey, they've got a good roster. They've just got to plug a couple of holes because we've seen how explosive this roster can be. You know, the last two seasons, they're nine and seven. They just missed the playoffs this year, you know, just because of the way it all fell out. And, you know, and for what it's worth, Ed, the Seahawks were the only team with a winning record to uh, move on from its head coach. That's true. That's true. True. I mean, that's, you know, so it's just a matter of the ownership just wanted a new direction. They wanted a fresh start. You know, it's the Febreze brothers. Fresh start, man. Let's let's go. You know, but in the time that uh, Pete Carroll's been there, they upgraded their facilities, which is going to be attractive to free agents going up there. The only thing that they are not graded as highly as any other team in the league in, it's the travel. And there's two reasons for it that I can see. One, the fact that it is so much further away than any other place from any other city in, in the NFL. And two, the fact that you have to go through SeaTac uh, and those that know, no. That airport is garbage. You know, been there myself. I'm sure, Matthew, you've been there a time or two. Uh, And the, but another advantage to being in that area is you do have that entire region to yourselves. That is, you know, between the stadium and the fan base itself, it is rabid. It is all about the Seahawks. It's not split up like it is with the Chargers. It's not split up like any of these other teams that have, you know, some here, some there. So that is all green and blue. There's no doubting it. You know, and, you know, with that, there's a certain level of expectation. Sure. Uh, especially given the success that they've had over the past, you know, 10 plus years, you know, with Pete Carroll at, at the helm. But there are some challenges that they have. You know, they don't have the greatest draft capital in the world. Uh, in fact, uh, between the next two seasons, they only have 13 of their 14 picks and really only th- uh, three of three within the f- first two rounds of the next two years. So two, two ones and a two. You know, so most of their draft capital is going to be in that three to seven category which is going to be to fill the roster, not create playmakers. And, you know, that's what I think this next coach is going to need is going to be a game changer that, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, because they've been explosive on offense, It's but they've been, you know, kind of wonky. Sometimes it's the offense carrying them. Sometimes it's the defense carrying them. They need consistency. Uh, that's the biggest thing I saw with Seattle this year. And that's something that I I think as far as what kind of a job it is, partly it's going to have to do with the ownership that uh, coming in 2025 is going to have to be sold off. Uh because of Paul Allen's will, the team has to be sold. So they're probably going to sell no earlier than 2025. It's going to be a little weird hiring a coach this next year before you sell the team the following year. But I got to say, it is a good job for what it is now. We'll see what it looks like in the next few years after the sale goes through. 
But I got to say, you've got to bring the prodigal son home. You've got to bring Dan Quinn back. He is, he is going to create a stabilization to that organization for those that know, uh, know uh, what it was like uh, during the early part of Pete Carroll's tenure, you know, and basically create a stable, you know, mindset so they can move forward finally, as opposed to kind of getting a little wishy-washy. Dan Quinn has certainly a point of view, and it is on the defensive side of the ball. So he can bring in somebody on the offense that will just run with the tools that they have. And they've got enough room uh, to get a couple of pieces here and there to be able to run the track because in this pass-happy league, which – you know, that's what you're going to need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we kind of are in agreement that I it's going to be a defensive-minded head coach. Uh, it could be a Dan Quinn or Mike Vrabel heading up there. I feel like that's the direction they're going to head, and they do have those pieces on offense uh, where they could kind of trust in them to do their thing while having a defensive-minded head coach. So uh, look in the draft. I mean, who knows if they are doing a complete Febreze Brothers situation. That could mean Geno. It may not be their starting quarterback. They could go with a guy like Michael Penix or even a Bo Nix who is familiar up there um, to be their next quarterback because they do have the the threats out there uh, on offense. So Seattle is going to be a very uh, desirable place in my opinion, but there are some uh, weird contingents such as uh, selling the team and being hired as a head coach right before they sell the team. So that could be why uh, there's not been a whole lot of uh, bites on the bait yet. But there's a team that uh, may be in one of uh, the craziest locations in the whole United States. And when I talked about head coaches that can't hack it, well, they had a head coach that just could not hack it. Maybe as offensive coordinator, but as a head coach, Josh McDaniels, nope. David, talk to us about these Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, well, the Raiders are certainly an interesting team. You know, they just came off an 8-9 and nine season, and they actually had a, a positive uh, p- uh, point differential. I think it was like 332 points for, 331 points against, um, some, something like that. You know, the Raiders... I think they might have one one of the more underrated uh, rosters in the league. I mean, I think everybody knows that Max Crosby is a complete uh, game wrecker, and uh, Trayvon Merrig might be the most underrated um, safety, the most uh, well, not just safety, just the most underrated uh, defender. Uh, period. You know, he doesn't he doesn't really uh, get a lot of love like uh, like other um, like other defenders, like other uh, safeties do. So I think there is potential for uh, the Raiders there, but there's some things that they're going to uh, navigate. Like one, I mean, Aiden Aiden McConnell. I don't think he's the long-term answer um, for, for for the Raiders, um, you know. So uh, we'll see what happens with him, but they're probably going to have to, uh, you know, m- move on from him. Um, but also, uh, their their draft capital um, probably could, like it could use some improvement, and you know they're probably going to have to trade away uh, some big-time talent just to improve it. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, jump ahead to who I think the coach is going to be. I think it is going to be Antonio Pierce. I think they're going to take the interim tag off because, and I'm sure you guys saw, but Max Crosby made it very clear. If Antonio Pierce is not the head coach, then I'm leaving. I I want to be traded. Okay. But okay. Let's just, let's just say that we're they're in a situation where Pierce was always going to be the interim coach and they want to get, they want to get somebody else. I'm not Matthew, I'm not asking if they should, because they sure as hell shouldn't, <laughs> but could you see a scenario where the Raiders ha- actually do trade uh, Max Crosby? Again, not asking you if you think they should, but do you think they possibly could trade Max Crosby? Yeah, if they feel like uh, they are going down a route that's not going to be pretty, um, like the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell, uh, they can uh, trade uh, Max Crosby hopefully get some type of uh, draft capital in uh, exchange, but they it's don't. So crazy. Which one would, which one would give you more draft capital back or a better player back? 
Is it Max Crosby or is it Devontae Adams? Mm. Mm, I mean, it, it sounds like Devontae Adams doesn't want to be there, and I'll talk about that here in a bit. But yeah. uh, it's just that, like, that is a good question. It, it's just crazy, and it's crazy that we're even talking about this. I understand that Max Crosby is not the quarterback, okay? But overall, he is the best player on, the, on that team. He is the face of, of that franchise. And I just cannot imagine them. Uh, I just cannot imagine the Raiders uh, not meeting uh, Cro- uh, Crosby's, Crosby's needs again. Even though he's not, he's not the quarterback. He is undoubtedly your most valuable player. Oh yeah, absolutely, he is. And I think we all know that this Devonte Adams uh, Vegas trip is just a pit stop. Uh, it was a disaster where, right from the beginning. Whereas Max Crosby, you know, is and should be the face of your franchise, uh, you know, past, present, and future. Whereas Devontae Adams, I don't think you could really count on that. Yeah, for sure. But this Raiders team, this is a very interesting thing, and I don't want to put a whole lot of fault on uh, the head coaches or the team itself. I mean, let's talk about this franchise that over the last three years has been nothing but a distraction left and right with Chucky, John Gruden. We saw what happened there. Uh, Henry Ruggs, let's not forget about what happened with that. I mean, that that happened right after they moved to Vegas. That became such a big issue. Uh, The Josh Jacobs, uh, Jimmy G., I mean, there is the uh, Chandler Jones. Yeah, Chandler Jones. There is just nothing but distractions there. And, of course, you're going to hear maybe Vegas was a bad idea. There is a reason why there wasn't a pro team there. Um, but there, there's just something about them that is a weird situation because of all this distractions. And they've still been kind of relevant. Um, but – Devontae Adams has made it clear he does not want to be there. Uh, he would love to be New York with Aaron Rodgers, his pal, and try to win a Super Bowl one last hoorah. But, I, yeah, I think Antonio Pierce is the guy. He should be. The, the team has stood behind him, and they've made it clear that they want him to be their head coach. And I think you you do need to listen to a team. I really do. I, I know they're not the owners, but – these are the guys that are with him every single day. And if they stand behind their coach, well, guess what? He's going to stand behind his team. And I think that needs to be talked about more that they want Antonio Pierce and Antonio Pierce wants to be there. So they should drop the interim tag and put him as the head coach full time. Yeah. And you know, like I said about the, like I said about the Falcons where they have potential, it has potential to be a good job. I think the Raiders has some potential, but there's a lot more risks in, involved um, because of, well, frankly, all, all the things that you mentioned, Matthew. Yeah. So, it, uh, and Mark Davis has the potential to have a good haircut. Don't, <laughs> my gosh, don't even get me started on that pumpkin pie haircutted freak. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah th- there is a lot of uh, openings right now in the NFL. Some are more desirable than others. And, well, they all got to get filled. Who's mm-hmm. going to fill them? We don't know exactly. So I would like to hear your guys' thoughts on uh, who you would like to see fill these vacancies and who you think will fill these vacancies because, well, there's a reason we're not owners and we're not in the NFL. We may think one thing, but it may be the best for another pick. So uh, drop in the comments what you guys uh, are thinking when it comes to these head coaching vacancies. And guys, I have a, a very special message here from a friend of ours, and uh, uh, her name is Britta. And this is from Britta. In 2024, the conservative movement is more ideologically diverse than ever, and infighting threatens to divide us. Unfiltered is a space where folks from all over the right can openly share opinions and debate our differences in a laid-back and friendly atmosphere. Join Britta and special guests to chat about everything from politics, culture, religion, relationships. Catch Britta Unfiltered live on X or listen to them on Apple or Spotify 
you will not want to miss out, especially what is happening with uh, the election coming up, the Iowa caucus. There is a lot to talk about, and Britta wants to talk about it. So go ahead and give her guys a follow and like. She will be live on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. But guys, uh, this has been one heck of a show. I uh, appreciate you, Ed. appreciate you, David. Uh, there is a lot to cover when it comes to these coach vacancies. And what I'm just going to tell you guys now, we're going to be covering what's happening in college football too. Don't you think we missed out on this Kalen DeBoer situation in Alabama and Jed Fish in Washington? It, like I said, the domino effect. It's craziness on all levels, and we are seeing it on full display in the NFL and college football. So we are not missing out on that, guys. We will cover it. So uh, check us out next episode. But in the time being, give us a like, subscribe, and share these videos. We really appreciate it. And uh, continue. Put these comments in. Let us know how you guys feel about all these uh, positions and openings in the NFL. But until next time, guys, we are rounding third, and we are headed for home.